0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 133 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am
1: Jacob Marico.
0: And we are happy to be here today. Sorry to everybody if you were expecting an episode last week, but uh, I got nervous. I woke up one day, I mm-hmm. coughed probably a total of 12 times and totally freaked out and was like what if i have covid my husband of course andrew was like you know it's probably just some dust in the air
1: it's he's probably he was right about that well he was hindsight. so
0: um i stayed home for a few days got a covid test and negative so I, here we are again yeah i don't
1: think you really have to apologize i have had this show delayed on three separate occasions for because of a covid scare so
0: yeah but it's in it's um I don't know it's good to get the test mostly did you, did you, know, you enjoy
1: it because it's a lot of fun to get
0: well <laughs> I was petrified of it I cannot lie I'm very scared I, I watched too many videos that I shouldn't have I had my dad got a bloody nose because they did it too hard my one friend Penny was like oh I'm pretty sure that I have nasal tissue damage and will need surgery and I was <laughs> like what so Jesus I went to the drive-through do-it-yourself at Rite Aid that my okay. mom had recommended, and I was like, well, th- I, that's probably better because I'm the kind of person that if I had like a hangnail or something, I would rather dig it out than have a doctor. Sure. So I was, I did that mentality, and let me tell you people, if you have any fear, the do-it-yourself test is the best. And you might think like, "Ooh, I can't do that to myself, but you totally can. Because the whole thing is you 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 know, you put the Q tip until you feel resistance. Yeah. But on yourself, you know exactly when that is. I went very slowly, like zero pain, a little bit of tickle. So I'm a big fan of that. I highly recommend if you're nervous but you'd like to get a test do the, the do it yourself.
1: Yeah. Cause uh, I did it the opposite way. And I went to like the county ones and I think I forgot like third grade math or something. Cause they (laughs) got, they got deep (laughs) in there, man. They were all up in my nose.
0: I really think it depends on the person because I know a lot of people that have had (laughs) doctors and nurses do it and had no issue. So I really think it, it depends on the person that you go to. So you might as well just go to yourself. And do it that way? I mean, if, I can
1: trust myself not to poke myself in the brain. <laughs> yeah. About, I'd say 94% of the
0: time. 94%, not, not 100%. Well, but you
1: know, there's always a split situation. You never know when you're going to get one of those weird personalities coming out.
0: Well, especially with you. Yeah. They're, they're only weird personalities. It's but true. The, <laughs> it's sad the, but true. Being at home at least allowed some extra time for movie watching.
1: Oh, yeah. You were super excited.
0: I was. I wa- I've been... Finally, stuff is coming out from 2020. They finally gave up and they're just releasing it on oh. streaming or DVD. Oh, yeah.
1: We're going to talk about Warner Brothers one of these days. Like, they're... And Disney. Both of their glorious plans going forward. I put you to sleep pretty quickly last night
0: trying to inform you about you that. You did. I was like not interested. But <laughs> one of the films that I caught that is currently uh, streaming on Netflix is Mank. Mank. Which I know you did as well. I
1: did. I was super excited because I didn't know what it was about but I knew it was David Fincher and that is literally enough to get me to watch a movie.
0: I will definitely watch any David Fincher movie also. So Mank is a 1930s um, Hollywood is kind of reevaluated evaluated to the Eyes and the scathing wit of a super alcoholic screenwriter. I'd
1: say super alcoholics <laughs> right about, on, right on the nose. Yeah,
0: Herman J. Mankiewicz, um, who everybody calls Mank, and it's as he is racing to finish writing Citizen Kane. So he is drumming out this final script, partially to fulfill a contract with Orson Welles Mercury Theater, but mainly you learn to settle an old grudge against former benefactor William Randolph Hearst.
1: Right, which is, uh, you know, people who know about this story kind of knew that that was what was going on. They knew Orson Welles didn't really write it himself. There's
0: always been been a back and forth. Yeah. Did he write some of it? Did he not? Um,
1: This movie posits he did not.
0: This is their, yes, (laughs) that's their their take on it. So, okay, feelings about the movie. So I'm going to take a quote from Mank himself, which I think— summed up the movie a lot for me, which is you cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of one. So that was some of Mank's screenwriting advice, and I think it kind of is this movie. You do not get a full picture of this man's life in any shape, way, or form.
1: No, but you get a very good idea. Like, the way that it's structured is pretty brilliant. David Fincher's dad wrote this movie, like, 30 years ago or yeah, something. Yeah, his late father, never, Jack. And just never got it made. But the way that it's structured, it's structured very similar actually to Citizen Kane itself in that it's kind of like a wraparound narrative that time jumps and comes around. But it does. It comes back on itself. They definitely
0: copied sort of the format of Citizen Kane, which I liked.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, I had no idea about a lot of this story. Like, it's very interesting to see a piece that's just about, like, the writing process really because... Like, this guy's a high-level writer in Hollywood at the time, even though he might be a little, you know, not everybody's favorite, but... Boy, is there, like, just talent upon talent.
0: And you get more than just the screenwriters. Like, you see studio heads. and I mean, the the, the screenplay is definitely full of zingers. Oh, yes. You can tell that Jack Fincher like that. But it relies on a room full of heavyweight egos kind of stagely taking their turns waiting to deliver them. Like, you can tell everybody's waiting for their moment on the <laughs> camera, and I, I think.
1: Well, it's like they're probably, like, as the rumors of Fincher is probably like their 57th time having to do every particular scene is that's, probably what we're seeing on the screen that's so. totally
0: true um and maybe you know this film is not going to be for everyone but in the canon of films about filmmaking there are few that are as just textured and committed um And, you know, suffice with real appreciation for the craft as Mank is. So you definitely get that. So if you're into that, you're going to really appreciate that part of the movie.
1: I mean, this does seem like a movie that a lot would scare people away because, you know, black and white. It's about a Hollywood writer. Yeah. It's pretty dense. They don't. Try to explain who anybody is at all. No, like, you're. N- they just dump you right into this. You're
0: movie. You're not going to be as invested as other biopics,
1: right? Like, because a partially it doesn't really matter. Some of the people in this movie, they're there, they're in the story, but yeah. the, like who they are, what they are, function, you'll see it in relation to the uh, to the movie itself. But man, it's just so engrossing for a movie that's basically just talking for two and a half hours. It is just thoroughly every scene you're just watching a new scene.
0: I really enjoyed it. And and while we said yes, I could see that some people are gonna find it boring. Sure. But it is technically wise, it's absolutely fascinating because the way Fincher filmed it, um and degraded the film to look like it was made from the 30s. So mm-hmm. like you see dust and cracks in the film and I think that if someone had no idea who David Fincher or Gary Oldman was, um which I don't even know if we mentioned that Gary Oldman is mank yeah. which is also why it's so good. Um you could convince someone that this is a movie from the 30s.
1: I mean Fincher even plays with the audio a little bit. Like he's doing it kind of analog style, so It sounds like an older movie, which can be a little hard to understand at times, but it just it fits overall. It 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 does. It
0: really does. And the score is amazing.
1: My boy Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch—they're they
0: they're the best collaborators. There,
1: you would think that with those two, we're going to hear a lot of synthesizers. This is all big band fabulousness. The entire movie—they
0: completely evoke like just the zippiness of nineteen thirties Hollywood.
1: Yeah, I was listening. I thought it was stock music, and then I, a couple of times, I reminded myself, like, this is the Nine Inch Nails guy yes. <laughs> who is writing this. And score. I feel like
0: from the first note on, I was like, there they go. Mm-hmm. They they seldom disappoint. Like,
1: oh, I'm. Smelling I'm smelling smelling Oscar number two for this guy coming up very soon. I
0: could definitely see that. So, yeah, definitely this film is sharply written and just brilliantly performed. And not just um, Gary Oldman, but uh, Amanda Siegfried is legitimately legitimately superb.
1: Surprisingly, I never really thought much. I never thought much of her as an actress because every time she's in stuff, it's kind of, yeah, whatever. But she was really good in this movie. And yeah. then Charles Dance. Oh, I wanted so much more of him in this movie as uh, William Randolph Hearst.
0: Yeah, because he was great, but he was definitely underused.
1: Oh, absolutely. Which probably is for the best because it could be, his performance is so good that it could overshadow the movie. But just like the chilling just deadness that he's got. But there's also some humanity and love. Yeah. And then the fact that he's like supposed to be this horrible Citizen Kane-esque person and then like one of Amanda Seyfried, scenes, she's talking about like why she likes being with the guy and it makes him seem like he's actually a pretty good guy.
0: It's interesting to kind of get both sides, yeah. which you definitely don't in Citizen Kane. So Mank is great to kind of peer behind the scenes of that um, and could end up kind of being a classic in its own right um, alongside Citizen Kane. We're going to play a quick clip from it. So this scene is, as Jacob mentioned earlier, there's always been kind of Hollywood hubbub about who really wrote Citizen Kane because Mankiewicz was not supposed to get credit for it. Right. Which, then, which they
1: go over in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, so then it was kind of that when the Oscar was won for Citizen Kane, it went to Mank and Orson Welles, you know, as screenwriters, which. is is debatable so this is a scene between orson welles who that actor did a very good job he He did not go over the top playing orson welles i
1: have i as you know i'm an impression guy and i've been trying to do an orson welles for years and i can't get it but that guy nailed it right on. he really
0: did and then uh gary oldman as mank put
1: aside gratitude mank that you've done your best work was no accident i removed any distraction
0: (laughs) eliminated every excuse your family your cronies liquor I gave you a second chance. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. But with credit for a risky undertaking, must go the weight of real responsibility. Given your current health, I wonder if you're up to it. And frankly, I wonder too, but we'll find out. You may never work in this town again, Mac. Or <laughs> some Then you force me to remind you. We have a contract that you understood and agreed to. If you fight this, it will go to what your new guild calls arbitration, and you, my friend, will lose script, money, and assuming such a thing still exists in Hollywood, the respect of those who honor their word. How can I put this nicely? I may be a loose cannon, but you, my friend, are an outsider. They're exasperated by me, and I've earned it. But you, a self- anointed savior hyphenate, they're just waiting to lose you. Remind me never again to work with a washed-up alcoholic. Duly noted, Nelson Algren. Please come.
1: Ooh, that is some good. That is some good acting right there, man.
0: It definitely is. It definitely feels good. So all in all, with Mank, we have very memorable acting. Uh, striking cinematography mm-hmm. for sure and a, just a, a provocative examination of the nexus between entertainment and media and politics in and in a really big way in this film and that is part of what's kept the legend of Citizen Kane alive for decades
1: I went back and watched it recently and it's, it's better than I remember it being I don't know whether I'm just older now but it is a very I think good that movie. could be
0: a thing and I think that that's enough to make to make Mank necessary, if not entirely fulfilling, in my opinion, but very, very good. But it is very wonderful viewing for film lovers.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is definitely, if you're a film fan or if you're upset that Nothing Good came out this year and there'll be nothing for the Oscars, go, go watch this one because I got a feeling you're going to be hearing its name a lot. When they uh, do that ceremony this year. I think
0: so, too. And I think, Jacob, that you and I can both agree, without a doubt, what the best part of Mank was. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, it was two words, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. He's (sighs) like the A, B reason to watch this movie, everybody. I mean, there's no secret on this show that we are huge Gary Oldman heads. He
0: He is just phenomenal.
1: I mean, even when he does, you know crappier movies kind of he was in the hitman's bodyguard did you know that no exactly he's the bad guy in a ryan reynolds sam jackson movie. well i mean he's notorious for putting out some let's say less than good but <laughs> the stuff
0: that he puts out even his performance is usually amazing so gary oldman he was born march 21st 1958 in new cross london england I do love that he auditioned for the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, but was rejected and told by the school advisors that he should consider something besides acting.
1: Uh I love I love when you hear stories like that. It's like, oh, man, that teacher. You're
0: like, you didn't do good. Um, But he won a scholarship to Britain's Rose Bruford Drama College. That's where he got his B.A. in theater arts. Um, I do like that before he was famous, he worked in assembly lines. He was a porter in a theater, as well as selling shoes and beheading pigs. In oh. oh,
1: okay. Well, so
0: yeah, you really? gotta do lots I, of I things. I didn't
1: think we'd go into this show with me and Gary Oldman having something in common, <laughs> but here we are. How about this?
0: He was once married to Uma Thurman. Do you remember that?
1: No, I don't. Yes. Dad. Good she, for him. She
0: was 18. He was 30. My man. That's The I, marriage right. did not even quite make it two years. I Ugh, think he's been no. married four times in total. So he's, always, I mean, searching for love.
1: Well, yeah, but you know, What are you going to (laughs) do? Basically, all you get is got to shrug your shoulders like four times. Well, at least he swung for it. He swung for the fences.
0: Those lucky ladies. So, I don't know. We're going to talk about some of his movies that we love. I'm sure Jacob will have some terrible movies because Uh, he likes that. That's what I do. Gary Oldman, and although he has spent so much of his career playing psychopathic and sadistic characters but I like that recently he's kind of moved away from that and he plays a little more likable or sympathetic characters he seems
1: like he's going on a good guy kick he's definitely one of Hollywood's top bad guys but I feel like he's getting a little bored with that he's
0: like I can do all the things um and I think he's also just one of the most beloved actors within hollywood so I, I have a clip i found of some actors really famous ones talking about gary oldman so i'm going to do that really quick because it's interesting um and if you can't recognize the voices i'll just let you know we have tom hardy Jen, jennifer lawrence tom hiddleston daniel radcliffe and brad pitt
1: gary oldman is my hero that's it you know he's like right I, I, he, when i went to drama school Everybody used to quote him in, in all of his films from, you know, State of Grace, right through to they used to do their impressions of him with Leon and whatever. And I'd sit there really quiet and think, No, no, you don't, know. I'm more of a Gary Oldman fan than you are. Gary Oldman I've always been blown away by because he's such a good actor that he literally can't get famous because he's unrecognizable and everything. I just think he's, he's amazing. I'd <laughs> love to meet Gary Oldman. You've never met Gary Oldman? Never met Gary Oldman because... It's just, like, he's the actor's actor, and he's a legend. Gary is the person that I keep coming back to time after time because um, he is, I I regard him as pretty much the, the best England has to offer. I think he's just a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, he's given me guidance both personal and professional, and um, yeah, and I'm always very, very grateful to him. And I, I, and I think that generally speaking, in the films, I am never my acting is never better than when I'm acting with him. I die really well, by the way. It's one of my strong points. Gary Oldman is the best. I'm pretty good, but I mean, if you look at what I do, then watch Gary Oldman, you'll see. Well, he's not quite as good, and yeah, he's doing Gary Oldman
0: universally beloved I mean
1: and it's true he is one of those actors that is just you can't he changes his look so much that he really can't get I feel like he's
0: living the most perfect Hollywood life though he's considered one of the greatest actors of all time, but he's probably not having paparazzi follow him around the way others are. So really, that's the dream. He's
1: also one of those actors that I could have swore won Oscars way before he did. Like, I thought he already had like three or four by the time Darkest Hour came out. I
0: know. It was crazy that that is his first Oscar for real. He's one of those people that everybody's like, for real, are we going to be like waiting? It was like Leo. Like, are we going to be just waiting forever for this extremely talented person to win while you keep giving Mm. it to these like one timers? Yeah,
1: it's like you just got to throw your hands up and be like, "Oh, are we gonna give Jennifer Lopez another Oscar, but still have Gary Oldman (laughs) sitting on the side?" Jennifer Lopez does not have an Oscar. No, but there was a lot of talk, like for (laughs) Hustlers, like they're like, "Let's give the thing at the moment. Let's give this person an Oscar now."
0: So let's talk about some of his um, well-known roles. So I have to start with the first thing I ever saw him in, Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh boy. (laughs) That's That's a a, that
0: is a wild ride of a film. So this what a way
1: to just jump onto the scene. Holy
0: cow. This is following the breakout success in England of the flagship punk rock band, The Sex Pistols, as they venture out on their first U.S. tour. So he is playing the most temperamental bassist, Sid Vicious. It's one way to put it. And his very troubled girlfriend, Nancy, um, along for the ride. So along the way, their turbulent relationship, Another way to put that. Yeah, another
1: way to put that. It
0: strains the patience of like their bandmate, of Johnny Rotten, of the manager, and it plunges Sid and Nancy into the depths of drug addiction and codependency. And if you don't know how that relationship ends, I strongly suggest you Google it. Yeah,
1: you probably don't want to watch <laughs> this movie. You want to go and Google what. Find the, out like, what happens. But um,
0: it is a visceral and energetic and sad movie
1: yeah don't Um, don't do drugs everybody it ends up bad for you
0: weirdly a surprisingly touching love story
1: they did like each other. It's it's one of those weird things where you know they're they just, shouldn't be together, but...
0: They're just self-destructive together, but Gary Oldman is outstanding. And honestly, Sid and Nancy, both actors really abandoned themselves to a very demanding and difficult role, so they're very easy to watch because it's very believable.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I'll say. Um, I do love... In preparation to play um, Sid Vicious, Gary Oldman starved himself... And he looks it to the point of collapse um, on the set a couple times. And he even got himself a necklace that once belonged to Sid Vicious. So he was really into it. And although sadly later he kind of dismisses this movie a bit. Um, but I still think it features one of his most raw and committed and just high-voltage performances, and I don't know why he's down on it now.
1: I, you know what? I think I probably do know, because he probably feels like he overacted a bit, like he's a little over the top. Because
0: he's new and he's mm-hmm. young, but it works. It works. It's an excellent film.
1: That's a sign of a good actor. He's like, oh, I know everybody likes me in this movie, but, but I'm just I've, trash. I've trash well, this.
0: that's like artists where you're like, we want to hear this song at the concert, and they're like, we do not play that anymore. Like, yeah. that grosses us out we've moved past it. so
1: it's crazy to think that was in 1986 and he doesn't really get really big roles like for a while after i that. think
0: he likes i think he was cautious about the roles that he yeah. picks
1: like he's like state of grace like you heard uh, i think it yep. was tom hardy mentioned rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead which i remember being a surprisingly popular movie when i was in high school i
0: did not even see that film um
1: but then like he starts busting out into big time stuff mid early to mid 90s that was his sweet spot man he is uh, playing Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK.
0: Which he's really great in that role. Yeah, and it's
1: it like, could be a nothing role, but he is adding all kinds of manic and a lot of energy to that movie. I mean, he plays Dracula in Bram Stoker's Dracula for Francis Ford Coppola.
0: And that, while he's a little over the top,
1: well, yeah. he, is,
0: he, is a good, Again, he is a good Dracula. It's a, ma-
1: it's a matter of knowing the movie that you're in a lot of the time. It's like, what does this role yeah call for
0: and he really rescues that character from decades of campy interpretations
1: right like everybody was still stuck in the uh you know, the old school Dracula things or the Christopher Lee, like, you know, have your teeth showing exactly. and your arm up. But he didn't really do that. So He's Bram like,
0: Stoker's Dracula, if you haven't seen that, that's also worth visiting. We get a little Winona Ryder in there, too. Which,
1: so. yeah, when Keanu Reeves doing an English accent, well, we'll, you, we'll, we'll ignore but that But there's part. still
0: some good, there's, there's some good, good performances. Uh,
1: you know which one I really like in him, though, not surprisingly, is uh, 93's True Romance. He is barely uh, in that movie, but oh my God.
0: That movie itself is fantastic. We also get some Brad. Pitt in that movie it's, barely his, at all. His big
1: debut was you yeah. smoking a bear bong or something yeah. on the couch. If you haven't seen True Romance, guys, this is a Tony Scott directed, Ridley Scott produced, Quentin Tarantino written movie starring all of the best and funnest actors in Hollywood. Guys, this movie is great. But so good. Gary Oldman as a drug dealing pimp with like white guy dreads with a jamaican accent it doesn't sound like it should work but he is easily one of the most memorable memorable characters in this movie yeah so over the top just menacing as all get out
0: i read something that he wasn't super into it and then when they described what his character was going to look like and how it, he's like oh i'm one of those terrible white dudes with dreads he's he, like i love it yeah and he <laughs>
1: like, was he leaned all kinds of into it yeah. Oh, I mean with a movie with Christopher Walken that features Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper having a face off when you are the actor that people walk on the movie <laughs> yeah, talking about yeah. you know you did something special You did a
0: good- He also does a really good Christopher Walken impersonation as so many do but I like Gary Oldman's so that's worth checking out too
1: Oh and then just fast of course there was Leon the Professional we're not going to We spend just talked too much about time. that
0: recently but what a role
1: Yeah again Just that's the one I thought he won an Oscar for. I really did think he won best supporting for that.
0: His face when he would chew on those drugs, and you were just like, (laughs) like shivers. Yeah, you
1: just get the vibe like this is an unsafe police officer for me to be around, and I think I'm going to leave now.
0: Yeah. So let me mention one that I know that we both love, um, the Fifth Element. I love that movie, dude. It's such a good movie. It's so bananas too, because when you describe it of like the 23rd century and the this New York cabbie Bruce Willis when he was in good film and he finds the fate of the world in his hands when Mila Jovovich falls into his cab and her outfit is pretty much worth seeing the film for. This is the
1: movie that introduced us to Mila and thank you for that. Yes, uh, thank you for that.
0: Um, But then, you know, you have the wicked industrialist Zorg. That is Gary Oldman's (laughs) character. And I mean, Gary Oldman is fantastic because I heard that he, he agreed to play the villain, in um, this just $90 million bubblegum sci-fi blockbuster <laughs> as only a personal favor to Luke Besson, me, Besson, okay, perfect, for producing his own directing debut, which was the gritty personal drama nil by Mouth. So this was like, all right, I owe you one. But even so, his comically evil turn is pretty much the best thing in the film. It's like an inspired blend of Bugs Bunny and Adolf Hitler. It's
1: fabulous. (laughs) That's what he's going for. Again, he realized, I am in a sci-fi summer schlock movie here, and I am just going to put it up to 10 and just dance and tiptoe all over the scene, and people are going to love it.
0: It's so, it's a fantastic so piece of pop sci-fi. It never takes itself too seriously, so that helps you really just enjoy it. You're like, okay, I can get I can get down with this.
1: And then he followed that up the same year by deciding I'm gonna kidnap the president and <laughs> gonna going take Air Force One hostage because he was the bad
0: guy in Air Force One. You know, I like Air Force One, and I can't think of him
1: exactly. That's why he's oh, kind of Gary impressive. Gary
0: Oldman, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean,
1: Air Force One is definitely a Harrison Ford movie, but Gary Oldman in here is the. The, the heavy, as Why it were. isn't
0: he a Bond villain?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: Right? That Why would be really good. Ooh. That's something to consider. I think
1: we're, we're looking ahead for that first. Um,
0: we'll call it if that he's, happens. He's going
1: to be the, uh, <laughs> the the first Henry Cavill bad guy in a Bond movie. Is going to be.
0: That would be a great film. Oh, I'm getting mm-hmm. ahead of myself Pay here. attention,
1: Hollywood. We know what we're doing over
0: here. Okay, what else do we have?
1: Uh, So next I'm going to jump, just because it's kind of topical, to 2000 with The Contender. This is a movie that people didn't particularly like. I
0: don't think I know it.
1: Um, it's a movie about, get this, the vice president dies and uh president decides, I'm going to select a woman to be my vice president. And it's nothing Wild. about the sexism and how everybody tries to stop it and sex shamer. Okay. It's a very good, Joan Allen actually got a Best Actress nomination. For Joan Allen is
0: the, is the woman that they... Becomes VP?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. So Joan okay. Allen's uh, like has a really good job in this movie. Um, uh, Jeff Bridges is in here as the president, so it, there's a really good wow. cast. And uh, um, he's playing the bad guy. Gary Oldman's playing uh, the House of Representatives guy who's okay. basically- Okay, doesn't want it to happen. Doesn't want it to happen. He is, uh, again, unrecognizable. He's such a slimy politician in this movie, just the worst. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> uh, I feel
1: like he probably could have got a nomination out of this movie, but they cut a lot of his stuff out of there, and you can kind of tell in the movie. But yeah. it's underrated and something worth checking out.
0: I always think of Thin Red Line, of oh, the Terrence yeah. Malick. He was in that film, a lot of scenes, all cut. Yep. How do you cut Gary Oldman out of your film? That's well, insane. When you're
1: Terrence Malick, you can cut anybody he out just, of your movie.
0: He just cut, cut, cuts. Um, I do have to mention, because this is a turn of a good character for Gary Oldman, but all, the Harry Potter movies... He plays Sirius Black in Prisoner of Azkaban, Goblet of Fire, Order of Phoenix, and a little bit in the Deathly Hallows Part 2.
1: Which ironically are some of the only Harry Potter movies I've seen.
0: Is that right? Yeah, I only
1: saw from Azkaban on. I have no idea what was going on before that.
0: That's just really weird to not <laughs> see the origin story. But okay. Um, but he's he's fantastic, and you know we heard that clip. But he's really affected Daniel um, Radcliffe's acting life. Like mm-hmm. he's just was I mean, blown away by him. He taught him so much.
1: Can you imagine being a 15 year old and you're getting a master class in acting from the one of the best British actors out there? I mean, one on one scenes because he's playing your uncle. So you're you're going to yeah. be in scenes together with this guy. And seeing his methodology,
0: yeah, it's really fantastic. I mean, he,
1: Commissioner Gordon in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah,
0: that that's a good role. That's
1: a role that's not easy to not easy to jump into, especially because you can get overshadowed considering and you're in he a Batman is movie.
0: Overshadowed, but you know, but he still it works really well.
1: He's overshadowed, but not like he. That's an important character in the Batman verse, and I feel like he definitely made it important more yeah. than J.K. Simmons did. And J.K. Simmons is a fantastic actor, but his his professional. Profe- uh, Commissioner Gordon was just a no, non-entity in those Batman movies.
0: Definitely. We have um, a couple more before I talk oh, about yeah. Darkest well, I,
1: Hour. We got to talk about Tinker Tailor Soldier oh, Spy. Oh, definitely. Another one where he, he got a nomination for this one, but he like, should have won it, man.
0: But he's by far and away the best part of that film, correct?
1: I mean, the movie is a snoozer. Yeah. <laughs> <Let> me, <laughs> let, let's put it, we'll put it nicely. But uh, when it comes to his movie and this movie in particular, he is this is the only reason to really watch it. It's an understated performance. It's a quiet performance. There's a lot of stuff that you have to infer by his facial mannerisms and his body type because he's playing a spy. He's not, give it, he's not giving us exposition mm-hmm. standing in a room alone because why would a spy do that? But he's so good in this movie and so reserved. It's just he's the main reason to check it out besides... If you want to get a good spy mystery out of here, which who doesn't enjoy those?
0: Okay. Well, probably this is our last one since we're running out of time, but we'd have to mention Darkest Hour. Of course. That was his Oscar-winning role. Um, He plays Winston Churchill in the early days of World War II. He's the newly appointed um, British prime minister, and then he has to decide whether to negotiate with Hitler or fight on against incredible odds. And then it's during the next four weeks in 1940 – Um, it shows how Churchill cements his legacy um, and leadership and how it really changed the course of world history.
1: I mean, it's crazy. Churchill
0: is incredibly important. I don't know if everybody knows that. I
1: mean, but it was literally between him and the end of civilization because the Nazis would have taken over Europe yeah, and then everybody else was next.
0: And Oldman's performance is completely electrifying. He brings Winston Churchill to life, even when sometimes the movie's narrative might falter a little bit. Sure, You are just mesmerized um, looking at him.
1: I mean, yeah, that's why you hire an actor like Gary Oldman. You're like, my movie is going to be a little dry. Let me bring in somebody in here to add a little sizzle. To everything that's going on. Yeah, totally. Oh, just I mean, I can't wait to see what the guy's doing next.
0: And it, I saw, I must have seen like four movies on his IMDb <laughs> that were in like pre-production or post-production. So he's definitely got a lot of stuff coming out, which is very exciting. And he also, exciting.
1: he does some random stuff. I mean, even on TV, he shows up in things. He was in Greg the Bunny. Remember that show? No. No, nobody does. He played uh, Pontius Pilate in a Jesus TV movie. No. Nope. He's also... Been, he was on
0: Friends, I think.
1: Was, oh yeah, he I was I think he
0: might have been nominated for an Emmy too for guest appearance on Friends. Well
1: you're you're an if you're a famous actor, you Yeah, just they get love nominated. that yeah. and then he's pl- appeared in what is this ten video games? Like in major roles. Like I recognize some of the characters that he's playing you're like, in these oh, games. Oh, okay. He was in three Spyro the Dragon games. He's a uh, lead act he's like the lead villain in two consecutive Call of Duty games. Is an actor. Most actors scoff at video games, and he's like, you know what? It's either A, a payday, and B, something and maybe a million he en- people are going to see. He
0: might really enjoy video games, too. That's true. You never consider that, that he's like, oh, I love the medium, so I'll be a part of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, Guy is at literally every format you can find. What a, I can't wait what for the guy. I can't wait till we get to join him uh, for the Gary Ullman podcast. I'm sure that's I, coming I, down. I but. can't
0: wait till he writes a book.
1: Oh my God! Can you imagine what that's gonna be? I
0: could see that being awesome. I hope
1: it's a mank. Yeah, I hope it's a mank kind of like expose of all the people in Hollywood. Like he's just gonna burn <laughs> it down. Like I hate I all of not, these people. I
0: don't see him doing that at all. But it yeah, would
1: be fantastic. Gary
0: Oldman, one of the best. Okay, so we're pretty much out of time. Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So
1: every movie that we mentioned here, all these books that they're based on, they're all available at your well, local library. Except
0: Mank, but well, except it just came out. Everybody. Well,
1: I mean, there's, isn't it based on a book? Well, it probably is. We'll find out. If it's not, we got plenty of books on make anyway. So come check them out. Um, it's going to be uh, at your local library. There are 37 branches all over Erie County. Now, due to COVID restrictions, most of them, if not all of them, are doing curbside only. So I'm not, uh, you know, go on the website. Definitely place your check orders. the website. We'll set up a time. You can come pick up your books. You can still get them, people.
0: And don't forget, there's no hold fees. No hold
1: fees. So, so
0: you can request DVDs, CDs, books, anything you want, and they'll be sent to you, no cost.
1: Yeah. Come on, people! It's time to pick up. We got we got to make some. Uh, we got to make some lemonade out of these lemons we're getting right now. <laughs> yeah. So go check go check out a Gary Oldman. Me, go to the Gary Oldman kick. And don't forget,
0: time. we have so many audiobooks and eBooks online, so you can get those right from the comfort of your home just excellent stuff
1: yeah and uh, don't forget to follow us at All Booked Up Pod on Twitter let us know what you guys are reading and give us some suggestions on show ideas because you know nah, there's not always going to be a Mank out there we don't want to give you guys random I content know, but at
0: least there's like a lot of good stuff coming out mm-hmm.
1: now oh um,
0: okay some facts to end it with because so because Mank was about screenwriters I was kind of looking into screenwriters throughout time and I found some of these things kind of funny so Mario Puzo who's he's the author of the Godfather books mm-hmm. he also adapted them to film. But he had no idea what he was doing because he had never worked as a screenwriter before. He had never written a screenplay.
1: That is, it's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, so he didn't was like, I don't know. But after winning two Oscars, he decided to buy a book on screenwriting to learn how to really do it better. Hmm. And in the first chapter, it said, Study Godfather One. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you're good, Mario. Pretty, you don't have to awesome. worry about that, it.
1: If I was Mario Puzo, that would have made me both smile and horrified. Like, yeah. Oh no, I <laughs> yeah. don't know what I'm doing.
0: Um, while researching for the film *Castaway*, screenwriter William Broyles Jr chose to strand himself for one week on an isolated beach in the Gulf of California to force himself to search for water and food and obtain his own shelter so that when he wrote it, it was, you know, based on reality.
1: It turns out Gary Oldman had already been on that island for two months.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like researching just for a role he doesn't even have yet. Um, Ben Affleck dropped out of college. After his creative writing teacher ridiculed an early draft of the Goodwill hunting screenplay.
1: You gotta love that. Uh... Like,
0: this is trash. And then he's like, here's my Oscar for this screenplay.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, in the future, probably, depending on the rumor you listen to, maybe they should have given Matt Damon two Oscars for that um, screenplay. Oh, but. I
0: don't know about that. But, and then this one I love. So, Werner Herzog. I oh, love you, Werner like
1: oh, oh my God, I just got, I got scared. <laughs> just mentioning his name made me give chills a little bit.
0: But he once promised fellow documentary maker Errol Morris that he would eat his shoe, if Morris ever finished his movie on pet cemeteries, because he thought that Morris was really just incapable of ever finishing his projects. And in 1978, Morris finished his film and Herzog publicly cooked and ate his shoe. And then Herzog also made a short film about eating his own shoe. Of and he it's did. called, you know, what it's called eating a shoe. Werner Herzog eats his shoe. Probably, <laughs> won the well palm, probably
1: won the Palme d'Or that year, too. <laughs>
0: It's always a chance. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week.
1: Bye.